Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, regular listeners. You may have spotted that we've changed our name. It's now Honey & Co. The Food Sessions. So if you hear this sound, it's just us making dinner. Well, that and the fact that we're not allowed to use our title anymore. It's just been a bit of a thing, but don't worry about it. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to the Honey and Co. with me, Tomas Rulovich. We hold the talks in our deli, Honey and Spice, in front of a small audience. We ask the people we admire most from the food world to come and talk to us. Cooks, waiters, makers, writers, drinkers and thinkers. We have something to eat, a glass of wine, and they tell us their story of making a life in food. This week, we are joined by the fantastic Ed Smith. You might know Ed from the hugely influential blog, Rocket and Squash, which he started whilst working as a lawyer. It quickly became his full-time job. Ed came to talk to us about life in the food blogosphere and about his excellent debut cookbook, On the Side, a book that puts side dishes center stage. Since we got it, all we wanted to do was a meal consisting solely of side dishes. They're so good, they really don't need a main course. Keep listening if you want to hear about the perfect hangover cure or if you want to know the influences of Ready Steady Cook on today's food world. We are especially happy to have this guy with us, Ed Smith, Hello. who is uh, someone that I've been reading for a long, long time. I've been reading more of him since this book came out, which is... An excellent book, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, or actually a lot later. And better still, we're going to taste from it later, which is what you're here for, isn't it? <laughs> so, should we keep the talking brief? Yeah, we, we get the message, yeah. we get the hint. Ed has a very successful blog, of course you know, Rocket and Squash, a very influential blog. You didn't start in food, you, you're a, a lawyer. Yeah, I was a corporate lawyer um, until 2012. Yep. So how, how, what's the transition? How, how did you get into it? The why or the, or the how? I suppose um, I started writing a blog in 2010 called Rocket and Squash. And I did that purely. I, was a, I just sort of moved from being a trainee lawyer to an associate lawyer at a large firm called Freshfields. And I was finding that I was working a lot, a lot. Many of the things I enjoy are to do with food, so cooking and going to restaurants. But I found that I was uh, eating at my desk for four or five nights a week. Mm. Um, then on a Friday night, that's the fifth night of the week, I would go with friends to, to a restaurant, but no, none of us had been advanced enough to think about booking somewhere. So it would inevitably be uh, Pizza Express 
or Byron or something that's quick. And, and I was yet, yet I was telling everyone else to go to these great new restaurants that are springing up because I read about them, but I hadn't made an effort to plan to go. So that annoyed me. And um, I also wasn't cooking at home. Maybe I was cooking on a weekend if I thought about it. But by making myself write a blog, my loyally OCD nature meant I sort of handcuffed myself to once a week cooking something new and going to a new restaurant. So that was my the reason to do it. Plus, it was a creative outlet and slightly different from doing witness statements and regulatory reviews. So that was that was why I wrote a blog. I had no other ambition. I was anonymous um, all that time. Um, because I was slightly embarrassed about writing stuff on the internet about myself. My mum knew about it, obviously, and found out way more about myself um, <laughs> than I'd ever told her. You know, I'd, I'd get an email from her saying, oh, I see you've done this, which I wouldn't, she wouldn't have known if we'd had our monosyllabic conversations on the phone every Sunday. Um, Brought the family together. Yeah, exactly. Well, at least everyone just knows what I'm doing. It's funny that you say that your OCD, I don't know if nature or lawyer training, which is... I, I wouldn't say OCD, I would say thorough. Okay. Uh, but if you say... OC, you OCD know, habit, thorough training. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll go back to that in a bit. In that time, sort of seven or eight years ago, it kind of, you know, exploded. Everyone was having a food blog, everyone was writing a food blog, everyone was subscribing to like three or four. And suddenly it became, you know, a thing. It was, you know, some became very influential all of a sudden. Yeah. There was a lot of, you know, hype with restaurant PRs doing, you know, blogger evenings and this and yeah. that. It became, you know, a massive thing. And then, you know, microblogging came and that changed the game. And so many of these, you know, voices, even people who were quite, you know, influential sort of faded out. Yeah. And some had... a different kind of staying power and a different kind of voice yeah that that kind of surfaced and of course i think yours is is one of them why why do you think that is the death of the blog is probably exaggerated but true i think that in the, the influencer game in terms of what london restaurant scene and maybe even cooking has changed because instagram is such an amazing platform for people to to be pers- to put their personal um, travels around food on the internet and suddenly it might create an audience for them but why why have some blogs stayed I mean I I've carried on keeping my blog going because I changed my career into try to work in food and, and create something out of it and my my blog has been my my calling card my CV um, sometimes it generates income because it is a blog and I'm not just a journalist and other people, I mean, I feel, I find I've actually taken a mini break from it for the last two months because for having done it for seven and a half years of writing thousands of words a week, I'm quite jaded by it. And I can understand if other people have gone through a period in their life when blogging was their hobby and then you get kids or you move into more senior roles in your jobs, which is what most people have done. Maybe their enthusiasm for, for doing it has waned. But I also know other people who've tried to stop and then had to start again, even if it's just a personal hobby, because it is their enjoyment, one of the things they enjoy, and it's part of them. If they've done it for five to ten years, it's a. Lo- it's, I mean, it's, it's a part, long time. It's part of their life, isn't and it? And actually, for someone, if you take it seriously and do it, you know, weekly or, or bi-weekly, it's a, it's a commitment. It's a real commitment. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a real. And if you want to produce something that's of quality and resonance, even more so. Yeah, definitely. So. 
I mean, w- were you part of that scene of, you know, the kind of the blogger meals and... So, and yeah, I mean, to that, I started writing a food blog because I wanted that sort of the handcuffs to keep me interesting. Um, but for sure, I'd been reading blogs to start with, which made me think, oh, look, these guys get to go to new restaurants. It's really fun. Uh, or it's really interesting. And it's kind of felt like something that you wanted to, I wanted to, I suppose, experience. If I think I didn't, I wouldn't have admitted it at the time, but I'd happy to admit it now, I think. So I would, I would say I was second or third wave of restaurant blog, second or third wave of people writing recipes. I did, I did both. And, and I kind of, I don't know how I arrived on the scene or how anyone read about me. I didn't comment on other people's yeah how, how does that work how, how well, tra- traditionally so the tra- tra- tradition is that the, one of the reasons why blogs have sort of migrated into instagram i'm sorry Twitter i'm just like so yeah is that it's an internet thing and, and really don't know people people used to create um uh audiences for themselves and awareness by having conversations on other people's websites you know you'd, you'd see blog posts about restaurants or recipes and if you go back seven ten years ago um underneath them would be 20 30 40 comments and if you look at those comments, they've often linked to people who also have blogs and it, it becomes a community. It's, it was essentially, it's a long form of social media. And then Twitter came along and Instagram came along. And yeah, I think, I think the conversations moved on and that, but that was also how people got known. And now if you move, blogs are essentially now Instagram really. Yeah. And people comment on other people's things and they like and double tap and, and all that sort of stuff. And that means that you notice them. And, and if, if you're interested in meeting other people, in that way that that's how it's done this is the the, I the think. way forward i have kind of my theory about those you know those that stayed and really persevered and 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 actually made it into a livelihood is that sort of level of of commitment and perseverance and thoroughness which is what, what you may call ocd and this is what i find in, in your blog and in your writing that it's always good it's always you know thorough it's always Thanks. of value I think, I think and it's and it's yeah consistent. I, I think I have two so um, for me I've always felt there's not I, I've had a, a terrible uh, if I'd written a business plan of how to write a blog and become known I've not followed it in any way because all <laughs> I've ever done is just write stuff and go to things that I enjoy my only single unity thing being that I've tried to be good throughout it um but food is is i think passion is a strong word but it is my passion and that's why i'm interested in doing it and doing good things and the other thing i was going to say is completely slipped my mind so it'll, it'll, it'll come, come back, back and it'll come back and then it won't be relevant anymore and we'll just forget it so let's just pretend you didn't hear oh that. The, the other thing i was going to oh, say oh yeah yeah we go. no don't forget <laughs> what i said is that i think um um writing things on the internet is um obviously a relatively recent phenomenon um uh, but maybe those that are staying and have made it their career, it's because they love food and they want to do something in it. And I, I, they might disagree, I haven't asked them, but I think that people like Diana Henry and Nigel Slater have been writing blogs for 20 years, just in newspaper form, and I think that they would have done this. If, then. They if, 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 they were, if they'd started 25 years later, 20, I mean, Diana hasn't been doing it as long as, as Nigel, but they are chatty, they're personal, they're sharing their personal interests in food. And I think that they would have been bloggers and they would have, have done the similar thing if they hadn't had a voice in the, in the papers. Which is much less accessible. Yeah. Um, and much more kind of rigid and much more structured. Well, they have to do something every week. So yeah. someone's making them do it, yeah. Yeah. What was the kind of, not the highlight, 
but what are the kind of peaks of, of your blogging career? What was the thing that happened that you said, seriously? Um, or maybe not seriously? I, well, I think it's, I suppose it's not been one, one thing. So I, I, I made a change from in my career. I was a, so I was a lawyer and I got to a point when I realized I, it was partly a push and partly a pull thing. I realized I didn't want to be the partner at a law firm, which was an odd, odd experience for me to not want to be the sort of the top of the game. Um, and that coincided with me. I can distinctly remember, although not the post that I was writing, but I can remember at 1.30 in the morning, having got home at midnight, and I was writing a blog post about a restaurant, and I just thought, what the fuck am I doing? Uh, I've got to be at work tomorrow with another 16-hour day, but here I am writing about something else that I really want to write about, and maybe, ding, that's, that's why I should change what I'm doing. I didn't ever think that I would want to be a food writer solely, I wanted to start some sort of scalable food business and become a multimillionaire by about two years ago. Um, so, uh, so that was one thing that blogging did. And then I think um, that has led on to experiences. For example, um, I left my job, I retrained at Westminster Catering College for six months. Um, did you? Yeah, and was um, open. Uh, that was when I was like, right, I'm doing something different. My name is Ed, I want to work in food. And um, I had people, strangers off, my business plan never got written because people would say, do you want to meet for a coffee and do something? Which is very unloyally, you know, you usually spend a week passing the same email back between three people to get it signed off to give the advice to the client. And here were people saying, do you want to go for a coffee? And I thought, well, maybe I should say yes. And one of those, for example, was uh, director of uh, food adverts and food TV. And she said, do you want to be the uh, sort of the, the, the food consultant slash assistant producer of Raymond Blanc's next TV show. And on my birthday, two months later, I was, he refused to film for two hours uh, because he wanted to walk me around the gardens picking vegetables and talk to, talking to me about life. And, um, and that, was, that was a kind of like, that's weird, you know, six months ago I was, no, seven months ago I was writing witness statements and dreaming about doing stuff in food and here, I'm at, here I am at the manoir picking veggies. And that, with that's Rambo. kind of dreamy. Yeah, it was cool. Like, this is kind of fantasy stuff. Yeah. I wanted to do something. It was, in many ways, it was a parachute and a, or a reason to be able to say to mum and dad, no, I've got a plan. I'm going to go to chef school and then I'm going to decide what I'm going to do. It was also cathartic. I spent six months uh, cooking every day without any pressure of being in a restaurant, without, you Which know. Which is nice. It was great. And it was, it was a, there's a course there they do. Uh, which is Westminster Catering College and any Catering College in, in this country has a sort of three-year course that people start when they're 16 or 17 and this was that course compressed compressed to six months for people who were older or international but there are only four people on it so we basically had uh, free reign of the kitchen after the first few weeks of doing knife skills a new animal every week break it down someone would say well we need to cover off souffles and stuff so make sure that happens some point this week otherwise the experiment. Bit, yeah. It was. It was great. I, I don't think they run it like that anymore because they have <laughs> they have full classes. Um, yeah. But this that year was particularly good and it worked really well for me. I mean, it sounds amazing to have like four people running wild in a in a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds. I think the rest of the college wondered what what was going on. Yeah. It was kind of. Oh, what's going on floor two? Yeah. I don't want to know. It's the experimental kids. <laughs> Very different planets. The world of practicing law. The world of food writing. Mm-hmm very very different animals i don't know kind of the other side i know that the the food world i mean i i was working in kitchen all my life but just in terms of 
food media. Yeah. Very friendly, very open, very accepting. Yeah. Not so much the world of law. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, um, I have to be careful because most of my friends are still lawyers. And They're not going to listen to that. Don't listen. worry. They'll be too busy working. Exactly. Um, it's, um, it, it's just a different... I suppose the biggest thing that I've found between corporate life... I mean, the grass is greener and not greener. And um, corporate life was formal, even though people think it's informal. Um, it's very conservative. And like I say, it takes a long time for anything to happen um, because they're in the business of giving advice and the advice needs to be right. And also they're charged by the hour. So if you take a long time doing it, business works. And food, I think, in both in, in the kitchens and in, in media, people are very, I wouldn't say more friendly, but they're very accepting and willing to do something off the cuff. So if you, if you say to me, as happened, do you want to come and do a podcast and a talk at Honey and Spice? I said, yes, we had a little bit of communication in between and, and here we are. That would have taken a lot of planning, checking what would go wrong, what risks are going to happen. Obviously, different scale of thing. But I remember working, my first experience in a professional kitchen was at um, a pop-up called The Young Turks at the Ten Bells, which is two young chefs, James Lowe and Isaac McHale, who now have restaurants, the Lyles and the Clove Club. I'd known them from when they first started doing pop-ups and I said, can I come and experience it? And so I went and worked there and two or three weeks after having quit law. And I remember someone at one point at 10 o'clock in the morning saying, should we get a venison in next week? And I heard no other conversation. And then at 12.30 when we were wiping down the kitchen, I heard one of them phone up the supplier and say, can we have a deer tomorrow? And then when I got to work at eight o'clock the next day, there was a whole deer on the table. <laughs> and, and, and that was, and that, that whole kind of um, willingness to do stuff, I think is replicated in people doing projects in media. And just, it's a very, it is collegiate, but it's also a can do and we may as well yeah. do kind of thing. <laughs> we can do and we will do. Um, do you ever find it frustrating or do you find yourself unprepared for so someone who's very, as you say... Oh yeah, so that, the risk, so I, I'm very risk averse, though I changed my career um, since that is pretty risky. Um, but I didn't, I wasn't, I was at a stage when I had no mortgage and no kids, so it was my kind Easier, of yeah. give it a go. Um, and I also assumed that I would earn the same money again. Never again <laughs> will you earn the same money. <laughs> <laughs> Which hasn't happened. Um, so, Nor will it, but I, But yeah. I also, maybe I haven't done the business that I thought I would do partly because I've had opportunities that have come to me which have been great, but also because that risk of a what might go wrong still still rings in the back of my ear and that's the, probably the, one of the loyally things that continues to cross over. But you don't look back? No, I think um, it's been five, five and a half years and I feel more sustainable now than I have ever done and I don't want to go back to corporate law. I've just had a baby, so I'll probably be a lawyer in about six months Congratulations to this guy. Um, but yeah, so were it not for thinking about not the, the level of salary, but knowing that not just what you're going to earn next year, but in, in a month's time or in a week's time, that's, that's the only thing that makes me think of corporate life. I mean, it is, especially, especially in, in the media side of it, is kind of live on your sword. Yeah. And that can be stressful. Yeah. Um, I mean, so... And that's, that's all of the food industry. It's like, you know, you buy the food, if you sell it, you have money, you don't sell it. Right, cash flow. Yeah, exactly. Is, however small a business you are, whether you're a single person or a massive empire like your own, 
You've got a mini empire. I wanted to talk about the blog again. Yep. And I wanted to talk about supplemental. Do you, do you guys know about supplemental? What so it is? Oh, oh, sorry. Do you want me to explain? Yeah, please do because it's one of this is my Monday morning ritual. So I love this. Um, about three years ago, I started uh, digesting the recipes in the weekend papers every weekend, and on Monday I publish sometimes pithy, sometimes far too long uh, digest of all the recipes, all the writers, what they've done, um, the bad stuff, the good stuff, um, hopefully more, generally more good than, than negative. And it kind of became a little bit of a, a snowball. It, it's got out of control. And I have actually, I've just, because of the, having a baby, I've taken a break because I need some time on Sundays to do other stuff. Um, but I, yeah. Hugely disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, will come, it will come back because people, that's, that's one of the things that's helped me took me I guess to another level is when you start writing about other writers and people who are editing papers they read about it and then everyone's everyone wants to know what someone else is writing about them and that, that helped get me get maybe jump up a level of, of knowing people editors would know me and would commission me if I was favorable in my writing about them um, but yeah so I write I read everything used to cook at least one dish from uh, the papers every weekend take a nice picture on a on a paper and then post it on on Mondays and and it yeah got everyone from Nigella and Nigel to the Honey and Co crew um, seem to read it and I get lots of positive thoughts about it and when I stopped it I got a lot of emails saying please come back because most, you know, pe of, pe I, most of them from me <laughs> pe pe people like a digest people like make things things that make it easy for them to see what's going on and there's a lot of there's a lot of content what I mean what I love about it is that I'm, you know, I'm curious to see what's, you know, what what other people are doing, and I'm I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I'm sure you guys as well, because you're here, would buy the newspaper and then you'd go straight to the cookery column and the restaurant reviews, and and this is what I'm interested in, but of course you only buy, the one newspaper or two sometimes or or not at all even, and you miss out on such a tremendous amount, and for me. That's, you know, that's kind of, I get to see everything interesting. And if I say, you know, there'll be a link to something that, you know, that there, I... There's all, there's all, without fail, there's been <coughs> a really interesting, whether it's a recipe or a combination of flavors or ingredients that I never have thought of or would immediately want to cook every week. And it's not, with the, and it's not always the same people. So it has, it, it's provided inspirational, inspiration for me as well as I'm sure other people to get that kind of coverage of everything because it's hard for one person to continue to to put out really interesting recipes every single weekend that keeps their readers interested some people are yeah i mean <laughs> some people are better than others yeah. but, um, hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What I also find very, very interesting about it as basically, you know, blogging and online is, is the only media that something like this could happen. It cannot happen in print. It will not happen on, on TV or radio. Right. It can only happen by someone who's kind of outside the media, yeah. who's, who has the viewpoint of, you know, uh, yeah, readers. No, I, I think that's right. Um, and that this is something that's kind of like almost what they say in The Apprentice, a gap in the market. It w- that was definitely, mean, there's actually now, uh, there's a website called Eater, which got launched in London a, f- uh, a couple of months ago. It's an American uh, restaurant and food um, website. And um, they've started a digest of the critics. Um, and there's another website called The Gannet, which does a digest of general food writing. Yeah. I like to think they both copied me. Yeah, well, but, you know, but some it is, people it do- start and some people follow. Um, but it does... It, we, it, don't, we don't badmouth The Gannet because Killian's coming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not badmouthing. I, I actually think it's a much harder job to try and find really interesting food writing, as in long-form stuff about food yeah. that isn't cooking that isn't restaurants and um if they manage to keep that going for three years then i'll tip my hat yeah them. it's a lot of work it's more than a, a valuable service it's it also i presume you know gives you quite a unique insight into how the nation cooks and yeah. how the nation wants to cook and i think how so there's there's a there are categorically trends and repetitions across the food writers and I don't think it's because they read each other I think that they read supplemental they read supplemental (laughs) but no there's there's like a zeitgeist of what's happening in restaurants what's what 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 produce is available what cuisines are coming out and it just feeds a trend which I don't know whether that is then uh, whether that's reflecting what people at home are cooking whether it influences them at all or whether it is the it is indeed the leader of of food trends What, what do you think do you think people are I think that people like us probably go home and cook something from the papers. I think that um, I think that there's a. I'm sure I, I do that. I re- like if I see something, I would, you know, rip yeah. a page or take a screen grab. Yeah, definitely. Then, there know, are definitely. Years I, th- down I think the people line, that I are food, people that are driven to cook and want to cook new interesting things, definitely take the the recipes in the papers as a real resource because it's it's spontaneous. It's in front of you, isn't it? You don't haven't had to buy the book. It's um. It's there and it's great. I think there's a lot of people who don't cook at home. A lot. Yeah, yeah, it's very, it's weird. But probably a lot of them probably look through the recipes and think that looks nice. Yeah, yeah. 
it's shall I get the honey and curry next week yeah of course absolutely Th this is the you know this is where we come in we're gonna cook and do the dishes as well another maybe gap in the market that you sort of saw is this book on the side that and I think that I don't know you tell me that maybe this is the the outcome of writing supplemental and seeing what's There's missing or yeah I think there are, there are two reasons the book is um, uh, side dishes only I think it's possibly I thought at one point that it was the first the only and therefore the best book about side dishes but I think there is another one um, uh, so I can't claim any of that anymore but uh, I that came to me for two reasons one is that I'd wanted to write a recipe book I don't have a what I call a kind of discovery cuisine the the uh, sort of the heritage cooking of Worcestershire is is not as not as exotic as some maybe there's a time in 20 years time when we're we really be, yeah. keen on asparagus and pears and and plums and that's it um, but uh, I and I didn't have a restaurant so I needed to have a concept and I was thinking about stuff to do and definitely reading every single recipe every weekend which is a lot of the time they're extracts from cookery books probably I reckon now 40% of the recipes that are in the papers every weekend are an extract so it's a good indication of what's happening and there are so many dishes that are uh, particularly three years ago it was very meat heavy lots of low and slow cooking lots of um, star dishes that that you need to buy an expensive cut of meat spice it in a way that is not British and is different interesting and then at the bottom it would say serve with rice and seasonal greens or just a throwaway thing and and I've, I'm doing something different now and I'm finding myself writing exactly the same thing but I felt that that sides are more interesting than that and so that was one of definitely well, do, you, do you think it's laziness or do you think it's no I think it's my word count uh, okay you know um, there are other, there are side dishes that are interesting that are in the papers but they're often attached specifically to another dish to, to, to that star thing and I feel that many of us um, maybe lack the motivation or, or to remember that one side dish that was really great with that uh, Thai spiced shin of beef to think well that might also go well with pork belly or sea bream next week so that's lost that side dish is lost to only ever be used with the one main thing so I thought that people should look at sides in a different way they should um, maybe increase the stock number of side dishes that you have so it's not just boiled carrots and roast potatoes but boiled carrots with any one of 10 different herbs or spices on top depending what meal you're having um, or roast potatoes with chorizo and fennel seeds in it because that's nice and then you think of that and think well actually you know I was going to have a normal roast chicken and, and roast potatoes but I've put chorizo in there and fennel seeds so maybe the whole meal suddenly becomes Spanish so we should have romanesco, romesco sauce on the side or something else that makes the meal turn towards a different direction that you wouldn't have gone in if you just kept with the same stock sides. The other, the other reason why I did it was I live, um, live in North London in Islington, um, very near to a uh, greengrocer's called Newington Green Greengrocer's. And uh, it's amazing. It's, uh, it's uh, absolutely crammed full of both exotic and totally unsustainable vegetables and fruits that have come from around the world but also seasonal, great, organic, um, and the, the biggest display of tomatoes you've ever seen. Yeah. And um, I shop there all the time. I don't do um, 
big supermarket shops because I'm a lazy Londoner. And I found myself starting my meals based on the vegetable that I picked up. And obviously the vegetable is so often the side. So that, that was like, oh, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a way you can start your meal with side dishes rather than cram it in at the other way around. I think that's, I think so often we would have kind of all of us that have, you know, the, the, the cook, you would have, you know, your, your, how you cook rice or how you roast potatoes, your salad dressing, you have your kind of staple side things you, d- you don't explore further. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's a real shame. I think because often that'll be the bit of the meal. I love, I mean, it's, I feel like I don't want to sell it, but it's, um, I, 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 I found myself, I find myself asking for seconds of sides if they're good, more yeah. than more than more beef, more than more pork at the yeah. end of the meal. Or um, say I have another roast. And, and you can do a lot more with a vegetable than you can a, a piece of meat. Yeah. You can, you can take a courgette and do hundreds of different things with it. Um, but chicken, unless you make it taste of something that isn't chicken, yeah, tastes like chicken. Yeah, and it needs to be cooked, and that's yeah. it. Um, I Ed is being very kind of uh, humble about selling uh, his book. I will uh, not be as humble. I think it's a great book. I was leafing through it, and I, there were so many things that I wanted to cook. And when we were coming to plan tonight, this night. We, we just didn't know even where to start because everything works. And I think ever since I got this book, what I really wanted to do is just have a, just a meal of just sides. Because, you know, they, they, it is the best bit and there's some cracking recipes here, some really, really good recipes. And for me, normally we try to get a menu going that's kind of like a meal. So you have kind of a protein and, you know, things that work with it. But with this book, I just said, all right, there's all the things that I want to try and eat. <laughs> and this is what I'm cooking tonight. So this is what I cooked for you. We have uh, rice cooked with lemon zest and thyme, which is beautiful. We have, I'm saving the best for last, or my best for last. We have really delicious pumpkins with chili flakes, garlic a little bit, and rosemary. And this is exactly the kind of things that I love when you get nice pumpkin full of flavor it needs so little in order to shine uh we've made a wedge salad which i think is brilliant do you i love the sprinkly bits so it's like it's um iceberg lettuce which is um a forgotten thing now i think we all get bag yeah. salads and it is terrible in many ways but it's also fantastic i love how cooling and crisp and crunchy it is if you do something interesting with it and so this is like a buttermilk dressing with um seeds can't remember now sesame seeds and pumpkin probably with pumpkin which, season, which uh, get cooked off with a bit of soy sauce so um which this is genius i don't know where it came from no it's really good because you toast the seeds in a pan and then you just add a tiny bit of soy sauce to the pan and it, va- it just it kind of evaporates away, and just gives the seeds such a nice coating that you don't even know what it is but yeah. it's just super tasty i thought uh, so we're gonna have this, and it's one of those <coughs> things that um, all the way through the book, you know, it's there are uh, a bit like the recipes I've talked about and said that you only have a main, a centerpiece, and then the side, then you forget about that side forevermore. You could say that with this as well, where you've got um, a certain herb with a certain vegetable, but most things are just repetitive. It's you could do that same herb or the same brown butter and hazelnut dressing that you put on carrots. You could stick that on. 
turnips or, yeah. or you know something else that's rooted yeah parsnips squash um so it's the kind of book that hopefully has got ideas that you can just migrate onto other things i mean this is definitely something that we're gonna the the seeds. Seeds. yeah i think it's so delicious i told you i saved the best for last we have parsnips roasted in honey and marmite now for me just reading it i thought that sounds so good it's just you you never thought about it before <laughs> which means you like marmites i love marmites so much so much this i, I i'm convinced that this um so honey and marmite um my dad who is was not the cook at home mum mum was the cook and then my brothers and i took over and we cooked a lot um dad would do uh, an excellent carbonara um once he learned that carbonara shouldn't be done in a microwave, it should be done sort of <laughs> in an Italian way. Because um, that's just scrambled eggs. Um, but yeah, but he, he used to have um, honey and Marmite on toast. And if I think back to it now, that was often on a Sunday morning when he was a little bit jittery, walking around. Um, and he would slap, he never ate a Marmite, he never ate Marmite at any other point. And he'd put a big slab of slosh of Marmite along the toast very quickly put some set honey on top which whilst the toast is still hot enough so that it melts you know that kind of speed and he was really really focused on doing it and then he'd devour it and and I started having it as well and I thought that's amazing that's delicious um uh, it turns out that was his hangover cure and and it's really really good I, I now do it myself as how it has a hangover cure but um the combination of honey and marmite they uh, I, I actually think that if you don't like marmite or you don't like honey, you will you will definitely love this. They kind of cancel each other out. I do I do I do an ice cream glaze with it as well. Oh wow! Which is actually it's that sort of salt sit salt sweet thing. Because just when I was making the glaze, I, j I tried a little bit. So hot, it was a huge mistake. <laughs> but it's yeah, I just couldn't resist it. It smelled so good. It looked amazing because it's so glossy. Yeah. And I think with the parsnip, it's just genius. Yeah. It's just really, really good. I hope you, you will uh, think the same. I'm going to ask you one more question before I'm going to give these guys the opportunity to. And the question is this. A lot of people I know, you know, I would get a lot of people come to me and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing this and that. We really want a career in food. We want to work in food. I don't know why. Because it's a career with many many you know many pluses, but yeah. many disadvantages. Everybody, a lot of people want to be in food writing, food styling, that aspect, or even just in kitchens and that. You, I've seen a lot of people who tried to make the transition and were not successful. You made the transition and were successful. Outwardly. Outwardly. Well, you know, you've yeah. made the you yeah, started no, have, a different yeah, road. Yeah. yeah. What is your advice to said people? So I think that I made the leap into food at the right time, which is when I had no responsibilities. That was really helpful. I think if I needed to pay more rent than I did, I wouldn't have lasted very long. Um, if I was doing it again, I would. So therefore, on a very boring, practical level, I would have a try and keep sort of some supplemental job to keep you able to to go and do stage in, in restaurants, to go and work at Olive or Delicious or the BBC and learn how to do food styling and decide whether it's a career that you want to do before jumping in like I did, which is a terrible thing to do. <laughs> um, and then it's persistence, you know, you, I, um, 
I reckon, I, I actually think I was a better writer three or four years ago, probably a better cook when I came out of Westminster and been working in restaurants than I am now. But if you keep going, people get to know you it's, it's, and, um, and trust you to do things more than they did when, you, when you're not known. So you've got to keep going if you really, really want it. So A, be tenacious, tenacious, tenacious yep. B, have money. <laughs> or be prepared no, to it's have not none. Money. I think it's be, yeah, be prepared to have none. And my, 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 you know, my income is drastically different to what it was when I was a much younger lawyer. But how happy are you? Uh, most days, very, very, very happy. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Does anyone have any questions, thoughts, feelings, or emotions they want to share with the group? Or ask Ed? Yes. Is I'll just repeat that. Do yep. you think there's any merit in having a blog now that Instagram's arrived um, or mic other micro-blogging I've, I've done quite a lot of thinking about this because I definitely think that when I started, it felt like a platform. People were being given cookbooks just off the back of the fact they had blogs or websites that people thought were influential. Um, and by the way, the cookbook is not the be-all and end-all of, of life and a career. You have to do stuff beyond that. But the best, the great thing about blogs and websites is that it's your personal platform to practice writing. Um, no one will give you the opportunity to, to practice finding your voice, becoming good at writing, becoming interesting, doing things that people want to hear or read in a paid capacity. You need to practice, you need to get a voice, and it doesn't matter if no one's reading it in the way that maybe, maybe blogs were read before, I don't know whether that's the case it's an opportunity to to write whatever you want and actually the other good thing about having your own space on the website is you really can write about things that interest you in whether it's food or knitting you can write at whatever length and whatever detail if you get a commission from a paper or a magazine there are increasingly short number of words and someone else's agenda to put that to increasingly papers are really they need they need clicks they need clickbait stuff which is listicles and and things with headlines that make people um, immediately interested in it, but maybe it's not actually that interesting to read. And so if you've got your own website, you can write whatever you want, and maybe that's something that's really interesting and would be missing if you hadn't got it. Who or what most influenced your cooking of the years, would you um, say? I, I, so can I give a multifaceted an answer to that? So I, I, I have- Present company excluded. Obviously. Present company excluded, although, <coughs> um, although generally, actually your baking book is, way better than most other baking books out there because it works yes. and they're interesting and yes, I, agree. Um, I agree and um <laughs> also the cookbook uh, also the cookbook but um so i uh, i've been influenced i definitely feel like i've been influenced by lots of uh, whether it's a popular writer like nigel slater i love nigel's writing i love how he makes me want to cook i think the kitchen diaries um was the first book for me I'm sure there were others that maybe there were others that came around but I think it's been a much copied format ever since not just in terms of the, see, the through the year writing and diary entries and stuff but um, the, the way it was physically put together with uh, white space and beautiful font and and the occasional great picture I, I think has been copied and and that was something that made me realize that um, food is more than just uh, what you put on your pl plate it can evoke memory and it can make you want to do things um simon hopkinson his books are incredible and he has a very similar kind of um maybe more chefy version of nigel and that is something that in my later cooking is i've taken on but to be honest i i started to cook at a very young age because i learned i've got three brothers um and i learned that if i helped do the sunday lunch with mum i didn't have to wash up 
Um, and so, and I was also quite a fat kid and I liked to eat and mum went back to work. And so I had, she was like, if you want to eat before eight or nine o'clock, you can do the cooking yourself. So about 10 or 11, when she went back to work, I started helping doing that. And then it migrated to cooking for everyone. But the reason I could do that, and this is so unfashionable and so uncool, is that I was, uh, you know, I watched all the TV programs um, as a fat kid who liked food, but getting home from school, ready, steady cook, um, which is so unfashionable and so like, you know, Ainsley Harriet, yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not a kind of, it's not saying you know, Marco Pierre White taught me how to cook. I genuinely learned a shitload from Anthony Royal Thompson cooking something in, in 20 minutes. Tin pineapple and, and gammon. Well, maybe, maybe, There's maybe, always tin pineapple. Maybe if, I look back at, maybe if I look back at what was being cooked, it, I, might have, I might change my mind, but I think that um, the, the red tomato challenge, or whatever it was called, is something that I categorically learned from, flavors that go what with what, to also experiment and just not be scared about throwing things in a pan. I think the people that aren't natural cooks often just worry about what's going to happen and the really steady cook you know just got to cook three things got to do it it'll be okay um i generally think that's been an instructional in my life that's ruined my food writing career so much love that you said that guys darlings we are gonna give this guy a big hand please with me thank you so much for coming Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Honey and Coke. We hope you enjoyed it, even if you didn't get to try the food. I promise everything was absolutely delicious. There are some wonderful guests coming up in the next few weeks and will be available to download. So make sure you're subscribed to us on iTunes and please leave us a review if you can. That'll be really, really great for us. This show is expertly produced by Hester Kant, music by the great Ellis Russell. If you want to come along to one of our talks, you can join our mailing list on our website, honeyandco.co.uk, or follow us on our social media at honeyandco. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.